And welcome back, everybody, to Ready, Set, Review, your favorite podcast for movies, music, comics, and culture. I am Matt. And I'm Anthony. And we are here to talk to you tonight about some really kick-ass shit. Yeah. We are in the endgame, as it were. Oh, oh, he said it. He said the title oh, of the movie. I did it. The I title did it. Of the movie. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I really did it. <laughs> yeah, the end. The, the internet is nothing but endgame and Game of Thrones memes right now. Yeah, and especially and, after last night. And, and what a fire episode. And it's I a fantastic time to be alive. Yeah, I can't. It really is. And, and I mean, we, we talked about all the hype that we personally had coming into April and we are full fledged in April, obviously coming to the end of April now, literally in the end game. And it's just been great. There's been so many things that have uh, come out that we've gotten a chance to see and, and, and experience. Um, and we're just really excited to talk about game of Thrones, game of Thrones. Yeah. And we have our tickets for Friday night, yeah. eight 30 at the Hazlitt cinema. Avengers Endgame. Avengers Endgame. Yeah, we've had them for uh, had them for a few weeks. The now. moment they came out, we yeah, got them. yeah, we got lucky. Apparently, thanks, thanks very much, Monster Bunny. Who yeah, was big shout keeping, out. Yeah, big big shout out. She was uh, keeping an eye on the uh, on the ticket sales, and as soon yeah. as they went on sale, because also this weekend happens to be my birthday. <laughs> <laughs> so Monster Bunny bought me a nice uh, early birthday present of uh, tickets to Endgame as, uh, as one of the Yeah, games. it was funny. I remember I was talking with everybody in the Rotten Tomatoes League and it was like, everybody was like, um, I'm, I'm waiting, I'm on hold, it's an hour of this and sites are crashed and I'm just yeah. sitting there like, yeah, I got mine. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Sorry, yeah. man. Uh, uh, good looking out. Oh, yeah. oh well. <laughs> uh, so so we are, uh, we're very excited to see the movie this weekend and uh, we're even probably more excited to talk about it on our next episode. Yeah, but before absolutely. that, we have plenty of other stuff to talk about. A um, couple quick things in the news we want to talk about. Um, yep. the, the first thing, it, a lot of news has come out, a lot of official news about Disney Plus and the launch of Disney Plus. Yeah. And we're super excited about this because yep. it's been confirmed that, it's 100% confirmed now, that there are several shows, original shows that are going to be on Disney Plus that tie directly into the existing MCU. Yeah. Well, which is awesome. Like it's about fucking time. Yeah. And so I want to, I definitely want to touch on this because, you know, Disney Plus is going to be great, but I think that with the Marvel side of it, I'm, I, I am not going to be surprised if it, I mean, look, it's going to be cheap enough where you it's like going to be nothing to right. be able to buy and to subscribe to. Yeah, I think, I think it's, it's like 8 bucks for the, not yeah. even. It's yeah. 6.99 oh, six, right, and yeah. then it's and then it's 69.99 for 12 months. Awesome. Which is just I mean, that's like it's almost like so cheap that like, oh, am I going to buy two cups of coffee this month or am I going to have Disney Plus for the yeah, entire month, exactly. right? Like it's almost so cheap that you can't not have it, yeah. which is so smart on their part. Go back and you have you know, decades worth of, of content and material there, right, to be able to buy from the DC Universe app. And it's just another reason to just cut the cord as well for your cable. Like, yeah. who wants to have cable when now you can piecemeal it, right? You have your Netflix, you have your Hulu, you have DC Universe, you're just going to be yeah. Disney Plus. And, literally watch whatever you want, yeah, whenever you want. Yeah, whenever you want, so. Yeah, no, it's interesting. So I, I, I agree with you. I think what you're, I'm going to finish your thought here. Um, are you suggesting that you think eventually the Marvel side of Disney Plus will break off into its own version of the DC Universe apps and bring in everything like the comic books and all the other uh, old cartoons and all the old shit, like all the old, uh, you know, the, uh, the, uh, the the Hulk show with, uh, God, what the fuck was his Lou name? Lou Ferrigno. 
Yes, Lou Ferrigno yeah, Lou and, uh, and right. the 1970s Hulk exactly. and all the 60s Spider-Man cartoons yep. and movies oh. that they did, oh, those are so right? Bad. Or even the Incredible Hulk movies, right? Yeah. One of my favorites was um, with Thor and, and Daredevil. Well, that will, yeah, well, the Daredevil one. That's <laughs> yeah. the one I was going to say is, and arguably not really the greatest one, um, but the the death or no trial of the Incredible trial of the Incredible Hulk, Hulk yeah. where it had Daredevil and it had Kingpin in it. And and Thor. It was, uh, well, Thor was the return of the Incredible. Oh, Hulk. you're right. You're right. Yeah, I'm sorry, that was the right. one after Death of the Incredible Hulk. You're right. And then he comes back and um but yeah no you 100 correct that's exactly where i was going with this i really think that the marvel section um it may spin off and, and do its own thing yeah because the, like dc universe it's just there's so much dc pure dc content and if you're gonna buy the disney plus app just for the Marvel content, it's not going to be satiating enough, right? Exactly. Because you're not going to get the comic books. You're not going to get the the community experience that you do with the DC Universe. You're not going to have all of that. It's, it's going to be a lot of Disney. However, the one good thing that Disney has admitted to is that they're going to have more mature content Which is on awesome. the DC Universe app. Yeah, yeah. I agree. 100%. You can't just make it for kids. You're yeah. going to be alienating a huge segment of the market, right? Which is exactly what DC Universe is now for both. Obviously, they have things like um, Titans and Doom Patrol, and we got the uh, first teaser for Swamp Thing, which looks really cool. So, yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, and and so the shows that are coming out, uh, the Marvel shows at least, on Disney Plus are really awesome because, you know, the one one miss that Marvel really has in their extended universe is the interconnectivity between these shows and the movies. And and, and it's very one-sided because the the shows – always reference the movies the uh, daredevil jessica jones agents of shield even the other ones like cloak and dagger and the runaways which are all great shows yep they all reference the movies and the movies never reference the tv shows yeah the only time we got a reference to the tv shows in the movie came in avengers age of ultron right which wasn't which if you didn't watch agents of shield you wouldn't even know it was a reference to agents of shield because there's that one great scene and i think it's season two of agents of shield um where you find out that colson is secretly rebuilding a uh um a helicarrier, okay. and that's the helicarrier that shows up at the end of Age of Ultron to like right. save everybody. And Nick Fury is like, "Oh, I got it from an old friend," and like, like that was such a cool tie-in. But again, that was like the only time they ever mentioned the uh, the shows and the movies, which is like, you know, it doesn't take anything away, but it's like a huge miss when you're watching the shows and you're like. God damn it. Like, right. I, I you're, just trying to, you're trying to complete the entire story and have the entire picture. Exactly. And, you know, you like, especially with the Daredevil show and the Luke Cage show were yeah. awesome. You know, and say what you will about the other ones. You know, some people liked them, some people didn't. Um, I love Defenders. Jessica Jones is amazing. Right. Uh, I didn't like the second season. I liked the first season. I didn't really like the second season. But neither, neither here nor there. But, um, yeah, I mean, you know, you want to be able to have a tie-in. But the DC Plus app is going to be for so much more than that, yeah. right? Like, they're going to have all of the Disney old... Disney Plus. That's why, oh, sorry. Disney Plus. <laughs> sorry. The Disney Plus app. It's going to have so much more than that. It's going to have all the old Disney content, all the old movies that we grew up with and loved that we haven't seen in so long, right? Things like Fantasia and all of that, right? Sleeping Beauty yep. and, and you know, some of those really, really cool D- uh, Disney movies. The deep cuts. Yeah, the, the deep, deep cuts, cuts. The deep cuts that you never see on TV or and in their original format. Yeah, exactly. Too. So the MCU shows that have been confirmed are, and again, just keeping, keeping with Marvel's brilliant 
methodology of making genre movies in comic books. Yep. We have our Bucky and Falcon uh, show, yeah, which is 100% going to be a buddy cop show. Yeah, it's going to be great. You've got Vision and Scarlet Witch, which is horribly titled Vision Scarlet Witch. I mean, hopefully yeah. that title changes. Um, that'll be your romantic uh, show. Yeah. And then they just announced that they're doing a Hawkeye miniseries, yeah. which is going to be super dope because it reportedly they're introducing uh, Hawkeye's like protege. Um, her oh my god, the comic book character name I'm forgetting, but she's the Young Avenger um, yeah. who becomes like the Hawkeye, the Hawkeye on the Young Avenger. Right, I'm forgetting her right. name in the comic books. Yeah. Um, but that's gonna be super fucking cool yeah. because maybe we'll get to see maybe through that miniseries we'll get to see sort of like a proper send off for Hawkeye, you know, because you can assume that at the end of Endgame his family is gonna come back and he's gonna want to go back to retired life. And this miniseries can be a great way to bridge that and give us a new Hawkeye. Yeah, I agree. The only worry that I would have is that. Uh, maybe Hawkeye's not that deep of a character, right? I mean, he is a very deep character, but, like, how deep can you go with him? And now, no, they've gone very deep with Green Arrow, but Green Arrow is a much different character than Hawkeye. Um, and it's not just about, you know, the bow and the military. Like, yeah. in my opinion, they would have to do a show very similar to the first season of Punisher, where yeah. they make it much more about his military experience and him going on these secret missions. You bring in um, uh, Black Widow to be in the show, right, to have a few episodes or a few cameos in the show. Um, and I think it would be much, much better. Um, but, yeah, yeah I'm, but that's my only worry is that, like, can you really create enough around the character Hawkeye to make him that interesting? Because, to be honest with you, before he was in the movies, I really didn't care about the character. I think the best like arc that the character had was when it was Bullseye, right? Yeah. Like, that was, you know, I, I just, you know, so it's going to be interesting to see. Yeah, see, I think, I think you're absolutely right, and I think that that's why they're probably making it a miniseries because – you know, in the comic books, they go a lot deeper with him, but Hawkeye's really, you know, with the exception of a few solo runs here and there, he's never had a consistent solo title in the comic books. He's always been a right. member of the Avengers, you know? Yeah. And he, like, his character goes real deep in the comic books, but it's always deep with a member of, the, with other members of the Avengers, you yeah, know? Yeah, exactly. And, like, a lot of his, you know, especially the most recent solo run that he had um, a few years back, it was, like, absolutely phenomenal it was like it like really showed a different side of hawkeye kind of like this degenerate side of hawkeye and it was like really great um but yeah but i think that's why they're making a miniseries because you're right like they especially in the movie universe they really haven't gone deep with this character at all yeah like it wasn't until the second avengers movie where you find out really anything about him other than the fact that he was a shield agent so i think the miniseries is a perfect way to like add a little bit more depth to the character and then give him a proper send-off yeah i agree with you i and i i, I think it's going to be very interesting to see the way that it goes because i think that they're just they're trying to get a lot of content right now, and they don't know what's going to stick. So it's yeah. it's almost the same thing that Netflix does. Get it while it's hot. Throw everything against the wall. Have the established audiences, and just give people more reasons to subscribe. Because if you get another, you know, fifty thousand subscribers just because of one show, yep. which you know. I know that a lot of people do with different things. I know people who will sign up for HBO just for Game of Thrones and then cancel it after Game of Thrones, right? Exactly. So, you know, just, just to be able to do that and to get that little bit of a boost for the months that you can, 
you got to be able to do it. Yeah, hundred percent agree. Yeah. Um. So we're really excited about the Disney. Yeah. The Disney and, Plus. And to hear more about it, like when it comes, like when does it come out? It's sometime know? this like late fall. Right. I, I think they said November. Right. Because they don't, they haven't really told you exactly the format and what else is yeah. going to be involved. Is it only going to be like Netflix and where it's only going to be shows? Is there going to be other content there too? Is yeah. it going to have like a live thing, kind of like WWE does, or yeah. like um. Uh, Pluto does, which is Pluto is a, is Pluto? it's a free TV service that you can get. It's a, an app that's oh. free TV. Um, and it has like live channels and like a live menu. Oh, no and, shit. Okay. Yeah. And then you can also have the on-demand content. Nice. Right. Which, so Tubi, right. Which is also a free TV service is yeah. just on-demand content. They don't have the live TV uh, side of it. Gotcha. Okay. That yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Um, so one of the things I really hope they put on Disney plus um, is this Stan Lee documentary that's getting made by the Russo brothers. This news just came out last week. And this is – I'm super excited about this because, A, yeah, I love documentaries. Yeah. B, it's the goddamn Russo brothers who yeah. have proven themselves. And it's about Stan Lee. Yeah. I mean we – there there's not any Stan Lee documentaries, at least any prominent ones that I can think of, um, out right now. And yeah, I, no, I for one, think it'll be fantastic to see a Stanley documentary done by the Blues or Brothers. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I think it'll be really awesome to see it all come together. And I hope that it's not – I hope that it's not – all treating Stan Lee like an angel character, right? Yeah, I agree. I hope it's a realistic view into his life, who he was, and I hope we get some of that negative side where, yeah. you know, you hear a little bit more about, like, what he did wrong. Like, he wasn't a perfect person, far from it, right? Nobody is, right? So I want to hear more about, like, those things that he did wrong or any kind of problems or troubles that he had in life. And then, obviously, I want to know about the struggle and the development uh, going from the way that comic book movies, especially Marvel movies, were done uh, in the 80s and, and 90s, really, and then going into the, the turn of the century in the 2000s and having this big boom. Yeah, and I really want to see, as part of the documentary, I want a big part of the documentary to be about um, Jack Kirby and Steve Ditko and like the, the John Buscemas and the John Romita seniors, like those guys that really started Marvel with Stan Lee, like the original yeah. sort of like the OG guys and really talk a lot about the just what made Marvel Marvel during that time and how it became the behemoth that it became. Like I really want to hear and see a lot of that in the documentary. That would make me happy. Yeah, me too. And, and I think that with the documentary itself – not unlike a documentary for a rock and roll band. I want to see when it comes to people like Jack Kirby, I want to see like when they clashed heads, right? What were the things that they argued exactly. about? What were the things they had problems about, right? Why was it Stan Lee who became the figurehead instead of the others, right? Like, did he take it over? Like, what was the real nitty gritty? And I hope it really does a very good journalistic in-depth view and giving it to the Russo brothers, I have a lot of faith. Yeah, exactly. That, that's exactly where my head's at. I feel like the Russo brothers are the perfect choice for this, just given the way they've done literally everything else involving Marvel. I feel like it's yeah, a smart move. It's a smart move to have them do it, and I'm really excited to see uh, where this where this ends up. There's been no yeah. news about it in terms of. I mean, obviously, the yeah. this isn't going to start going until after Endgame has fully wrapped. And right. by wrapped, I mean like and released I'm, and everything's done. And I'm and, sure uh, after. Um uh, uh, far from home as well, because I've, I've yeah, heard, that's true. I've heard people talk about how Endgame is not really the end of the 
I think that's like official. I think that's like official. It's like it's like far from home is yeah. the real end of, of phase the, three. Of phase three. Yeah, yeah phase I, three. I, I think that I think that uh, Kevin Feige uh, yeah. actually came out and 100 percent confirmed that I think fi- yeah. uh, far from home is meant to be like it's almost like kind of. Kind of like a, I would look at it as like an epilogue, almost, you know, if you yeah. will. Because Endgame is obviously going to be the big, you know, the big finale. Yeah. Um, the big cum shot. Right. And uh, three hours long. Holy I can't cow. wait. I can't Man, wait. I'm going to make the biggest box of popcorn. The biggest like. The I'm biggest not putting soda. any liquids in my body because I'm going to be wearing. <laughs> I'm going to be wearing the fucking One Piece Spider Man suit. Man, there's no fly in Man, that thing. I'm I not, can't wait not to even. take pictures of that and post it on the Instagram page. Uh, Matt is going to be. Hosted or going to be attending in a Spider-Man suit. That's right. It's just amazing. Yeah, man. I'm, I'm, I'm getting, looking forward to it. I'm not drinking any fluids before <laughs> that. Uh, not even close. I'm gonna take the longest piss of my life before I put the costume on, and then it's not coming off until the, the, the movie is over. Yeah. It's impossible. You got you got to literally take the entire thing off because it's not even like the other costume I used to have where like the gloves were separate. Right. It's literally it's one, one piece, piece except for yeah. the mask. The yeah, mask exactly. is the only thing that's separate. And so, yeah, fuck it. Not happening. <laughs> not happening, bro. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, but it, needless to say, it's going to be just an awesome, awesome experience. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so some other cool news that came out. We talked about this uh, several episodes ago now. Yep. Netflix announced that they were making, they are making a live-action Cowboy Bebop series. And when we first heard that news, we did a collective just... <sighs> because you, you, we, anime does not transfer well into live action. It simply right. doesn't. It doesn't. And I, to be honest with you, um, getting a chance to watch uh, just a couple episodes that I have watched, because that's all I could get through, of the Ultraman cartoon that's on Netflix. Oh, is that out already? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. It oh, and it came out. Month. Yeah, it came out earlier this oh, month. not good? No, um, I, I'm not a fan. Yeah. I'm not a fan of the art. Because the trailer I'm, looked dope. I mean, it's it's turning a character... It's, it's completely changing the character. It's taking a character who was a giant, and he's like yeah. this big, fantastic character... And it was a live action show, and that was part of like why I was endeared to it. And now it's like uh, you know, now it's uh, just a, an anime, and it's all computer animated. Yeah, it's almost too stylish. It does that. It does that Netflix computer animated anime style. Oh it's just, yeah, it's not good. I don't know. I I, don't, I didn't I didn't really care for it. It's yeah. not my favorite show. So and you know, and, you know it's funny because we, we said this before too. Like if there's if there's one anime, one popular anime at least. That could transfer well over to live action. It would like it would be Cowboy Bebop. Yeah, because Cowboy I, I Bebop, agree. for the most part, is just it, it's all human characters and, and spaceships, and like that's easy right. to do live action. Right. You know, most anime is involving some sort of monster or a Super Saiyan or wizards or giant yeah. robots. Really yeah. hard for live yeah, action. Of course. You know, and big floppy boobies. Yo, you know, they're better than yeah. huge floppy jiggly boobies. bits. Yeah. They have all the, the jiggly, jiggly bits, bits, and it's like, oh yeah, I'm watching anime. <laughs> oh, yeah. By In case the way, you forgot, here's in case you forgot, here's boobs. Yeah. So the news came out last week that has turned our opinion on yeah. the Cowboy Bebop live action series because they cast John Cho as Spike, the main character, and yeah. that is flawless casting yeah. like so perfect casting yeah and, and if you're not familiar with him um he played sulu in the new star trek series he was in um harold and kumar yeah he's harold man yeah, he's like, harold and kumar go to white i Castle. hope his character i'm glad that you actually mentioned those two characters because i'm hoping that he plays spike as a combination of harold and sulu like well, see, <laughs> he's so know, great like spike in cowboy bebop he, he cowboy bebop he's very smooth he's a detective right and it has that very grungy very pulp That's you know 
know, true. kind of element to yeah. that, right? And that was one of the cool things. That's Cowboy Bebop is actually one of the few anime that I prefer to watch dubbed rather than subtitled. Agreed. Right? Because it, there's an element of the, the music that they put in from the, the American side of it, and I think that it really adds an element to the show. because And I remember watching it you know, late at night on Tsunami, oh, yeah. and it really added to the element. It was that and Big O, you know, yep. were really cool, right? And it was it like, and I think that unless he plays it as that really gritty detective sort of character, right, with the cigarette hanging out of his mouth, right, it's not going to be that great. And I think he will, to be honest with you. Yeah, I, I, think, I, like, think, he, I think it's the right choice yeah. of an actor. He's a very talented he's, actor. He really does not get enough credit because yeah. I, I agree with you. He's an incredibly talented actor. Yeah. So, uh, so we, we've changed our opinion, at least for the time being. We will, we will reserve further opinion until we see either A, new yeah. casting, or a trailer. Yeah, when, when some of the other characters get cast, you know, we'll, we'll uh, reserve our, our official final opinion for that. But right now, uh, we're, we're relatively yeah. optimistic. Because I'm wondering, like, who they're going to cast to play Jet. Because, like, it's... Right. Like, you know, it's got to be a big, you know, just dumb animal. Like, yeah. you, oh, you know, I, you know who I could actually see them casting as Jet? Who? Um, uh, uh, the guy that plays Torment. What's his name? Oh, wouldn't that be great? Yeah, the, the actor yeah, that plays Torment. Torment like he'd be, be so good as Jet. You know who I was thinking of is uh, Adam Baldwin, Jane Cobb from Firefly. Oh, you that know? would be awesome. He's a little older, but but, but Jet Jet's is older. Old, yeah, a little bit yeah. of an older guy. That would actually think, be great. I think he would play an awesome Jet. Like I think he would do a really good job. And you know, like, yeah. he, like I think it's almost perfect. It's almost very similar. To the Jane Cobb character yeah. that he played, right? Yeah, so totally. I, I think it's like kind of like a natural fit. I would love the, to see them cast that. That's actually Baldwin. fucking brilliant. I didn't yeah. even think about that. Yeah, That's I think brilliant. it'd be great. Yeah, wow. Yeah. Goddamn. Uh, you're welcome. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome, Netflix. <laughs> Another billion idea, billion dollar idea <laughs> right here at Ready, Set, Review. All right, let's get into the meat and potatoes of tonight's episode. Yeah, um, we got two big things we want to talk about. Yep. The uh, There's a lot of, lot of news flying around right now in Hollywood. A lot of fears of another writers' strike about to happen because the Writers Guild of America, the WGA, um, and the ATA, yes. the the, uh, the basically the agency, agency equivalent, talent association, yeah, I mean, the agency talent like association, yeah. yeah, it's like a union for yeah. agencies, basically. And, and, but it's literally only the four big agencies. I think. Uh, I th- no, I, th- I think there's lots of other agencies in there, okay. but the four biggest ones, like they hold the most power. Right, yeah. right, right. Because I, I know, like I know that. Uh, um, uh, WCM uh, yeah, WCM has like 70% of just like the market right. share in general. I think it's something absurd. Right. Um, or WC8. WC8. And then UTA. UTA. CAA. Exactly. Yeah, the, big, the big talent agencies. Um, so, so apparently there – so this, this was a little bit of eye-opening for us because – you know, we didn't know. We obviously knew that, like any sort of guild and association in Hollywood, there was contractual agreements and negotiations happening between these two organizations. Right. Um, and we started to hear the news about they hadn't reached a deal, and there was going to be this whole like uh, strike, and not like a strike, but like a fallout from this. Um, what we didn't realize until reading further into it is that this deal between the WGA and the ATA had not been renegotiated, like seriously renegotiated. For like 40 years, since like 1976, I think was the last yeah, time I, I they renegotiated yeah. this deal, which is just mind-boggling I mean, to think about. Think like, about where just TV and the world was in 1976 and where it is today. 1976, there wasn't even cable TV. Yeah. The cable TV didn't even exist yeah. until the 80s. Exactly. Right? So like – 
like having it just be not renegotiated is just i mean it's absolutely absurd yeah and just yeah. the last 10 years even the way the industry has changed right the last 40 years yeah now i'm going to take the side of this and i'm going to say that you know unfortunately i think that a lot of agents get uh, a lot of bad rap as well right now i think that you know because you know obviously like the lawyers of the yeah, entertainment they, they universe they really are the lawyers <laughs> of the entertainment universe right and you know they're not the talent themselves however the talent, a lot of the time, doesn't accurately know how to represent themselves, and they don't all the time know their worth, right? Yeah. So, so, so actors need agents. It's very, very important, right? And then actors also have these monstrous, monstrous egos, right? So the agents are the ones that are there. They are the ones that it's their paycheck on the line, and they're the ones that get the actors in line to make sure that they're showing up, that they're sober, that they're doing what they need to, right? Because a lot of the time, like, and I've gotten a chance to go on set a few times and, and watch filming happen, and a lot of it is just sitting around and waiting. Yeah. And you're literally doing these micro scenes for like hours at a time. Yeah. And like I remember going to see uh, Lou film the show You in New York City and they did this one scene where a cab drove up and it was for like two hours for literally something that was on screen for maybe 20 to 30 seconds. Yeah, exactly. Right? And they spent two hours and it was just over and over and over and over again to make sure they got it right. You know, and it was just like, obviously you want that to be the perfection, but a lot of it is like sitting around waiting. So like a lot of the times you get bored and actors, then they get cranky. Right. And so the agents are the ones that keep them in line. Right. So I think that the agents don't get, they, they don't get enough credit for the hard work that they do. People just see them as, oh, you know, it's just a cash grab. You yeah. know, you're not the actor. You're yeah. just trying to get as much money as you can. And you're just manipulating the situations, which is not all yeah, entirely yeah, right. false. It happens. It's not yeah. all entirely false, but to have something that's not renegotiated uh, for you know it's just silly. thirty years or yeah. forty years is just obscene. Yeah, I completely agree. Obscene. I think agents are definitely one of those sort of like necessary evils in the entertainment yeah, 100%. industry. You know, and, and and this thing with the Writers Guild is, is interesting because um, so you know so so like when an agent works with an actor, they work with writers as well, yeah. and they they do the same exact thing. They get them the meetings. The writers then have to pitch themselves, and then the and the agents help negotiate uh, their salaries, and then of course they get a commission from that. So that's I'm oversimplifying the process, but that's the basic yeah. gist of it. Yeah, it's um, layman's terms. Yeah, I guess exactly. The lay, yeah, for yeah. you simple folk out there. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and in here too. <laughs> Hey, treat yourself. I'm a fucking genius. Um, so, so what's happening right now is there's been this this concept in the industry called packaging, which is also a new term for me. I wasn't really aware this thing happened, but once I understood what it was, I'm like, oh, so that's what that is. And basically, right. so you know when you see um, when you see a a writer and an actor or a director and an actor constantly collaborating on work, uh, like show after show, movie after movie, that's usually the result of something called packaging, where the agent, well, I'm sorry, where the, uh, the actor and the director or the writer and the director or the writer and the actor, they're both represented by the same agency. So right. agencies will package them together, more or less, pitch them for whatever show or movie it is, and that process, that that practice of packaging, gets the agency more or less like a guaranteed commission 
on top of whatever that whatever commission yeah. they would secure for the negotiation of the contract for their actual client. Right. It's like double the commission. Exactly. Right? You're getting double the amount of actors. However, it also gives confidence to the producing, whether it's the studio or if it's just a single producer. Right. right? It gives more confidence to the producers because, okay, we know that these guys work together. There is no X factor. Are they going to get along? Oh, yeah. Because how many times have we seen movies that went off the deep end Right, because the director didn't get along with the actors, or the actors yeah. didn't get along with other actors, right? Where and like there's this whole blow up of like everything that goes on, right? And and you just don't want that to happen, right? So, you know, especially because you're sinking so much into the movie, it lowers the risk factor totally. for the producing, you know, whether it's the studio or if it's an independent producer. And there's always something to be said for that working relationship. Like the same thing happens, you know, and, and Anthony and I in our corporate America jobs, yeah, you know, like 100%. you see it, you see it all the time where, you know, somebody, you're working at a company and somebody leaves the company to go to another company. And then six months later, they've taken their best employee with them to that company because they have that working relationship. It happens <laughs> all the time. So I think, you oh, know, absolutely. the, the act of packaging is not necessarily a bad thing, but what this has apparently led to, it's led to uh, agencies, the larger agencies in particular, essentially having like a production arm, a movie and TV show production arm of their companies that are getting also involved in these movie and TV productions. Right. And the packaging is then leading into more commission for the agency. So this is where the conflict of interest comes in. What the Writers Guild is arguing is that the this whole practice of packaging and negotiating these deals the way they're negotiating the agency is taking more money and commissions from not just the salaries they negotiate for their clients but also from the movies uh, the movie value themselves uh, and like residuals and stuff like that they're saying that it's a conflict of interest because if they're basically going to be guaranteed this commission from these packaging deals, they're less likely to negotiate as aggressively as they would up front for the salaries of the writers. Right. Which I, I have to agree. I see that side of the argument as well. I think there's definitely a conflict of interest there. Yeah, 100%. And I think that the quality of writing now is is even more important right you yeah. look at something like game of thrones right which you know now we're two episodes in and where you were really worried is this going to live up to the hype and with this episode and we'll talk about it in a little bit um arguably being one of the best episodes of the entire series yeah. right yeah which i mean because it was so great and so well done and that's just that's just because of the quality, not only of the writing, but of the showrunners, making sure everything is coming together um, and coming together in the right way. But the dialogue of the characters, I mean, that's all the writing, and that was the biggest part of this episode um, of Game of Thrones this week was was all of that. And that's the importance, right? So, you know, and, and, and it's just you can't, you can't discredit the writers themselves. I mean, when the last writer strike happened – I mean, there were so many shows that went off the deep end. Yeah, right, totally. including including Heroes. Yep. Heroes, which the first season was amazing, yeah. and then the writer strike happened and it went off the deep end. Famously, and then Breaking Bad. Yep, Breaking Bad had to cut their season. They had the fifth season, and they yep. cut it in half because of the writer strike happened, right. where they only got the first half out, and then the second half had to wait. And arguably, the fifth season was really like the worst of all the seasons yeah, that happened. Agreed. And then right? the same thing of, of one of the greatest shows of all time. And the same thing happened with uh, that show Friday Night Lights too. Yes. That show like yeah. went way off 100%. the deep end because of the writer's strike. Yeah. That was like a mega hit and then all of a sudden it was just like 
Yeah. Like totally shit the bed. Yeah. You know, and so then you can't discredit the importance of the writers to the show itself. Agreed. And it's interesting too, because the article we were reading, oh, it's a really great article. I mean, you can read about this anywhere on, you know, Hollywood Reporter, Deadline, Variety, whatever, but we were reading a recap on, on, uh, on Vulture actually. And it had a really interesting bit about how writers salaries have been declining in the last few years, which is sort of head scratching when you think about the fact that we are in like an unprecedented age of content right now where everybody is trying to put out so much new original content and a lot of it is amazing a lot of it sucks but like you know it's not the same 10 fucking people writing it like there's just there everybody's getting a shot now at writing stuff so it's interesting that the like the demand is there like the demand is there for the writers um so i think it's in everybody's best interest to just renegotiate this deal because now the deal has fallen through it. The deal officially expired last week and there's no right. end in sight for a new right. deal. It has now, not yet been renegotiated. Yeah, now yeah. a bunch of writers are firing their agents. Yeah. You know, so like yeah. how far does this go? Well, and let's talk about that, right? Because um, our Lou, friend of the show, Lou Taylor Pucci, um, actually has been working more since he left, yeah. uh, I believe it was CAA. He was CAA, he was, I think, So yeah. since he left CAA, he's actually been working more since he doesn't have an agent and he just now works with his manager. Right. Right? And he's been actually – and he does everything, right? He's trying to do everything. He's doing some amazing short films. He's doing some you know, amazing like smaller roles. But he's out there and he's working and he's getting out there and trying to do everything that he can right, to just keep himself known. And, and he's getting a chance to be in even smaller bits like he was in You. He's trying to just get as much as he can, right? And yeah. I think that that's there's something to that, right? But at the end of the day, like lawyers, agents are just a necessary evil. Like yeah. you need them. But I also think that they need to be kept in check. So hopefully there's going to be some kind of some kind of amicable agreement yeah. where they're gonna they're gonna be able to mediate I mean, the situation. Hey guys, I have a very easy solution for you. I don't know why like no one is. Oh, is, is here we go. Like, Once again, yes. another billion dollar <laughs> idea from Ready Set Review. I mean, it's so simple. So like you know, so the the writers the, the writers guild wants the practice of packaging to stop. The agencies want to continue the practice of packaging, but the agencies have made it very clear that they have separate – it's almost like an entirely separate company within the agencies that works on this packaging deal, this production arm of the agencies. So just fucking separate the companies. Just divest one company, make a separate company that keeps on doing that. It kicks all the profits back up to the main, you know, CAA or UTA, whatever it is, and keep the agents doing what they should be doing and negotiating proper salaries for the writers yeah. and getting them those big salaries so you get the chunk of the commission that you still get, whereas the parent companies still get that commission from your negotiation from the uh, with with your clients and also the commissions from the packaging deals on the production side. Like yeah. this is not fucking rocket science. Like yeah. I don't understand why we're all being so goddamn stubborn here. But there is something to be said, I think, for the fact that after the writer's strike ended in like well, I think 2008, 2009 is when it ended, we entered a just phenomenal boom of entertainment. From a both from a TV and movie perspective, like we've got some of the best shows ever have yeah. come out in the last ten years since yeah. the writer strike has ended. Yeah. So like you know, maybe we need another writer strike well, to you know fucking keep those creative juices flowing, baby. Let's go. And and again, I don't know enough on the back end to say that there isn't this there, but I think that if it's if it is there, they should do it more to be able to you know kind of. 
um, offset. But I think that there should be an incentive bonus for the writers, right? So if it's going to be something where it's going to be like direct to Netflix, do it directly based on views, yeah. right? Where the writer will get a bonus based on the views that the show has, right? And you give and you give the the writers, right? And and more than that, the repeat views, right? Because yeah. that's what keeps you coming back. Like like again, like I've watched a bunch of shows like once, like I've watched one episode, like that show The Order, yeah. right? Which I thought, man, this is right up my alley. I think this is like going to be a show I'm really going to love. And then because of the writing, because of the acting, everything it just fell through, right? Right now. Now I think that it should be something, something. Maybe it's not totally there. Maybe it's not as simple as that. But I think something to that effect, right? Where the better that the show is, right? The better received, right? Almost like, like if it could get a higher, you know, Rotten Tomato score, yeah. right? If you're, if you give, you know, based on a Rotten Tomato score, the writers get an incentive yeah. credit, right? So even if it doesn't do that well financially, the writers will get a more of a bonus. Well, I think that makes a, a, a ton of sense because if you think about all the additional incentives and bonuses that the actors get, you know, like let's say just, you know, take comic book movies, for example. You get, you're in a big comic book movie, you get a fucking toy made of you that has your likeness. Oh, yeah. Guess who's getting a chunk of that profit from those toy sales? Yeah, it's that actor. Yeah, because that's your likeness. So, yeah, so I totally agree. I think some sort of, like, additional bonus um, scheme, or scheme, <laughs> like, bonus uh, structure for writers in that regard makes a lot of sense. So, now, let's, let's flip it, and let's talk about a different perspective, right? Because something that you brought up in the beginning of this conversation was the fact that there's so much content that's out, that's out there, and there are so many writers that are out there. So now there are certain writers that are getting uh, rehired for some of the biggest things, right? So obviously D and D, um, uh, Benioff and, yep. and DB Weiss are now going to be doing Star Wars, yep. right? Arguably the biggest franchise that's out there after their success on Game of Thrones, right? right? So, so I is this is this something where the writers are actually bitching and crying because they're they're facing all of a sudden too much competition? Yeah. Because it's almost like it's almost the same thing as like journalism, right? Where like anybody can be a, a, a journalist, right? Um, so, so it's one of those things where now because they're going up against so much competition, they're not getting as much money. They're not getting the money that they thought because like. And I hate to say this, and maybe I'm wrong about it, but they're a dime a dozen, right? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. You want too much money? Well, you're fired, and I'm going to go get 16 more people who are as good, if not you know, a little bit worse or a little bit better than you, who can do this job and write this equally yeah. or as good as you. Because especially with like showrunners, they're really the controllers of the show. So somebody else is going to write it, but really they have that general idea exactly. of what they want for the show, where they want it to go, and how they want it to be, right? So they're going to be the controlling entity behind it. So the writers, are they only can do so much. So there's a part of me that thinks that maybe this is a little bit bitching and crying from the writers because there's now an overabundance of competition that's out yeah. there. You know, I mean, I don't again, I don't know enough about the back end. It's just, you know, pure speculation. But I can definitely see how people could argue that 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 one thing. Right. And especially like like again, from that corporate America side. Right. Like you look at certain people. Right. And there are there are always people in jobs that think they are that they are inexpendable. 
right? And everybody's expendable. I don't care if you're in pure sales and you're the best salesman that's out there, right? And even Gary Vanyerchuk has you talked about this, right? Sometimes if your best salesman is not living up to the way that you want your brand to look or to be represented, you need to fire your best salesman regardless of how good they are, regardless of how much business they bring in, right? If they are not giving the customer experience that you want associated with your company, you got to get rid of them, right? Regardless of how good they are, right? And then, and then not for nothing, but you're going to hire somebody on who's going to not do as well as that guy, but maybe he's going to do 50% as well, but you're also going to pay them 50% as much as the person yep. who left right? That you fired. So there's, there's almost that kind of feeling that I have that, that, that is going on with this whole situation, which is why there has been sort of this, you know, kind of strong arm. Like I can see both ends of the spectrum and why, like, like why there is this kind of clash that's yeah. happening right now. And, and quite frankly, on both ends, and I hate to say it, but it's really probably true, especially in the movie business, too much fucking ego. It's way too much fucking totally. ego. And that's all that this is. Right? Um, no, it should have been renegotiated, right? Like the fact that it hasn't been renegotiated is absolutely ludicrous. Like this is something that should be absolutely contractually ob con contractually obligated that every let's say three years or five years should automatically be renegotiated, right? But the fact that it hasn't been renegotiated in almost forty years is just it's just insane. Or just over four years. Inexpendable is not a word. Yeah, I know. I didn't know the proper terminology. Unexpendable. Unexpendable, whatever, man. <laughs> I am not I am not exactly a lyrical wordsmith, as our true reviewers will <laughs> know very well. That also sounds repetitive, lyrical wordsmith. Whatever. <laughs> it's from South Park, right? I know, I I'm know. a lyrical wordsmith. Uh, no, but yeah, basically I, I told her. <laughs> Not that there's anything wrong with that. I basically totally agree with you. I think it really just comes down to a, a bunch of ego, a bunch of bitching over money and people just, you know, like in, in these type of things, you know, you, you tend to lose. That's why a lot of people, you know, kind of, you hear a lot of people complaining about the big studios and, and things like that, because sometimes you tend to lose sight of the art of things and what really matters at the end of the day um and I, I think that's sort of what this is is becoming yeah you know yeah, so i agree so we're really interested to see how this all uh pans out all we know is that game of thrones ends in four weeks um so we have nothing to worry about from a writer's strike on that end because yeah. everything has been written yeah, and everything. filmed <laughs> so this will not impact anything in game of thrones no it won't because like you know if the writer's strike did happen and then all of a sudden you have like ned stark coming back from the dead and like you know then it's a whole then it's a whole disaster yeah, yeah exactly yeah. so speaking of game of thrones Oh, so let's man. jump. We gotta talk it, about yeah. last week's episode, last night's episode, last night's episode. episode two yeah. of the season. So episode two. Wow. So Fuck. everybody, take a breath. You want to talk ready. about good writing? Like, yeah. This is the epitome of good writing because this is an episode where just high level on this episode, it's one of those episodes where like nothing happens. But everything happens at the same time. And it's all just character interaction, dialogue, 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 a quick shot of awesome side boobage, dialogue, dialogue, dialogue. Yeah, 100%. And, and I think that it is it's so necessary for where the next episode is going to be and where the rest of the series is going yeah. to go, right? I think that this episode was so dramatically important yeah. that – 
like you had to do it in the way that they did, and they really hit a home run. Yeah. So let's talk about. Let's just go like front to back. From yeah. The very beginning. So from the very beginning. The very opening. The opening scene is is amazing. It's Jamie Lannister in front of Daenerys, Sir, uh, not Cersei, Daenerys, Sansa, and John, and basically like you know pleading his case to not be fucking murdered. Right. You know, <laughs> which I was actually surprised about because they showed that in the trailer, and then it was literally the first scene. So you're yeah. like. Like, they threw you right into it, and it was like, oh, my God, okay, this was the scene we saw in the trailer. What else is going to be in this yeah. episode? So it was really just just so great, and it just, like, like the fact that they just, bam, throw you right into it, and yep. it's just great. Like, let's go. And you really have you – have, you have a couple of really great moments here. Like, so, so Danny makes her case about, you know, how Jamie killed her father, and, you know, her brother always told stories about what they were going to do to the man that killed their father when they found them, and blah, blah, blah. And then you've got Sansa coming in and kind of making her case, which just increases the like the, the gravitas of her character even more. And then you have the best part of the scene where Brienne or, or Brienne comes in and just you know vouches and for vouches Jamie, for Jamie like, which I, amazing. I absolutely loved that scene. I, I because it really it really does give the honor to Jamie that he deserves, right? right? Because like he is a very different person than he was, right? And so he's not the same person that he was in the beginning of the show, right? And he he is just so so incredibly different and changed. And the fact that Brienne of Tarth really steps up and give daps where daps are due because he did yeah. sacrifice not only his his hand but his sword hand literally the thing that made him a hero in so many different battles yep right and they really downplay it later on but like he was a hero he was well known as one of the best swordsmen in the seven kingdoms right and and he lost his sword hand and was not the fighter that he used to be Right now, and he's now not the fighter that he used to be, and she comes in and, and really vouches for him, and it was awesome. And having Sansa stand by Brienne of Tarth, right? That which was, was awesome. Was, it was awesome because you almost see Sansa and Danny, uh, like agreeing. Yeah. And and you're like, oh, this is cool. Now they're going to be on the same side. Yep. And then Brienne of Tarth comes in and she backs Brienne of Tarth, which I really, I the respect that she shows Brienne of Tarth. I just I couldn't have been happier with that scene. Yeah, exactly. It was absolutely amazing. Yeah. And then and then of course John is just like you know John has the John response. We need every man we can get. Yeah. Done. And moving on. But let's talk about this, right? Because you know obviously Tyrion once again Tyrion steps up yep. to try and talk to Danny and 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 vouch for. Um, vouch for his brother Jamie. And Danny burns him. And Danny absolutely burns him. And she's pissed at him. Yeah. And she's like, she's like, and I think this is really showing how much Tyrion has kind of fallen off. Yeah. Right? And he's not the same character that he used to be. He's not as he doesn't have the grip on the situation that yeah, he's he not once as cunning. did. No. Yeah. He's not as cunning, right? And and Danny is showing a little bit of what she showed in the in the beginning of season seven, right? When she's starting to lose control. Right. Right? And what happened when she lost control in season seven? You have the loot train episode. Yep. Right? Where she just comes in and she is a dragon. Yep. Right? And she rides Drogon in there and she absolutely destroys everything. Right? And I think that that's very much where Danny's character is going to go. Exactly. Where she's gonna fucking lose her shit and she's just gonna go, no, I'm a dragon. I'm going to fucking breathe fire and murder everyone and show them why I deserve to be the queen of the seven kingdoms. And then after that amazing scene, and then you get, I love the scene then where Jorah 
shows up and he talks he talks Daenerys into like forgiving Tyrion right. basically talks about what a brilliant man he is and she's out of and she's like oh I, th- I thought you didn't like Tyrion he's like oh well uh, during that trip he's like he wouldn't shut up but <laughs> but, but but he has and a then, lot of good things to say and I love how she talked about it. it's like oh this is the man who stole your job as Hand of the King and he's like yeah well you know yeah he's better at it like, yeah that, like I, I just loved seeing him. Like, seeing Jorah go back to being Jorah, basically. Yeah. You didn't see a lot of the Jorah-Danny, um, like, uh, 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 confiding in scenes. Yeah, in the dynamic. Seven. It yeah. wasn't, yeah. Like, so that was really cool to see Jorah come back as, like, that confidant in that, in that episode. Yeah. And then, of course, I, I, one of my favorite scenes was when Jamie gets to talk one-on-one with Bran. Yeah, I so and I think it was very well done because you again you see that Bran is not really a human anymore. Yeah, like he's so far gone from that where he lives. He is literally the world's memory right now, right? Because he sees everything. He is a green seer and he sees everything that's out there right now. And he's so he's so disassociated with being a person. So he doesn't hold a grudge. He's, right. And, and, and Jamie's like, oh, you're not mad at me? He's like, no, man, I'm not mad yeah, at anybody. No, bro. No, bro. Yeah, he's mm-hmm. like, I don't really have, like, feelings anymore. Like, he's a complete yeah. sociopath. Well, right? then he comes in as Brand the Buzzkill when he's like, when he, they talk about, you know, after this, and Jamie goes, not now, but what about after? And Brand's like, well, what makes you think there's going to be an after? Yeah, like, Brand, oh, and Brand, Brand the buzzkill. We, we, we skipped over, like, Brand has some great lines, and, and just in the first two episodes, he's been great so far. I really like yeah, him phenomenal. as a character. Uh, we skipped over the line that he said uh, when Jamie was trying to defend himself, and Brand looks at Jamie and he goes, the things we do for love. Oh, yeah, that was that great. Right before right, he pushed, right, pushed And Jamie out. just looks like he shit his pants. Yeah, you know? Jamie's like, oh, fuck, I'm done for now. I'm done for now. <laughs> yeah, right. That was absolutely amazing. I love that scene. And then, so, so, like, so this is this is one of those episodes too, where you know it, it reminds me of the episode in season seven, where um, uh, where John and his team go beyond the wall. Because again, this is again like a first time where you're seeing you're seeing like reunions and you're seeing all these characters that have been main characters throughout the entire yeah. series, but for the most part, really haven't interacted with yeah. one another. And you know, now I they're mean, all like, of a sudden coming back together. Yeah. Like especially the scene, I loved the scene where um, where Theon comes back. Yeah, that was and, really great. And Sansa is just ready to like you know, I don't know, Sansa maybe. Well, is that no, like, I mean, is that gonna be a thing well, now? No, I don't think so. I don't. You don't, I don't, you don't think, think, so you don't think Theon's no, gonna get it? I think Sansa? she loves him because she knew him as a brother, and then. Thought that he betrayed her, but then he, she found out that, like, yeah, he took the castle, but he didn't kill her brother. Right. right? And so she knows, and then he saved her life. Literally saved her life and rescued her, and he yeah. had, was abused for, like, years. Yeah. Right? And, and um, you know, she was – and I, I love to be able to see the dichotomy because, obviously – he comes in and he addresses Danny first because yep. she's the queen, and you see the way that Danny reacts to him. But then and Danny Sansa. sees the way that Sansa reacts to him as well, right? Which I think was great. And then that scene, the scene right before that, where you see Danny and Sansa talking one on one, like right. that was awesome because then it's like that was such a great scene too because you have again two characters that have never met before until before the last episode, you know, right? Um, and have never talked one on one like that, and right. you have it's really interesting because you have these two characters that are both sort of 
ascending in power in different ways because Sansa is now the Lady of Winterfell. Right. And Danny is, you know, to some people, the Queen of the Seven Kingdoms, and you know, to others, you know, still the Khaleesi, like rising in power in the same way. And there's a really interesting scene when they start talking and almost kind of have like a a sisterly bonding moment. And then it just all goes away when she's like when Sansa's like, well, what about after the war? Yeah. Like, the North... Yeah, what, what about North the ain't gonna bow to nobody, honey. Like, ain't gonna bow nobody. Like, gonna bow nobody. Yeah, we're never gonna bow again. You and know, she takes her hand away. And and so I want to bring up something that may be a little bit controversial, right? Because one of the things that Danny says... Side moves? Well, no, 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 no. Right in this scene, right? So one of the things that Danny says in while she's sitting there with Sansa is, she goes, I can't help but feel like we've been at odds with each other, right? Now, this is not my opinion. I'm just saying that there is an opinion out there Right, I'm going to do the politically correct thing. It's not my opinion, but uh, I've heard it said that women, or let's let let me let me reverse this. Men are naturally friends when they meet each other until they experience something for each other not to be friends. And when women meet each other, they are naturally enemies until something happens which causes them to be friends. Right. Yeah. Which is just yes, that's one hundred percent true. I've seen it my entire life. Uh, listen, it's one hundred percent true. I'm not, I'm not saying either way. I, you know, I'm not going to say either way. But I'm saying there are people who believe that yeah. out there, yeah. right? So, so that is sort of what is going on right now. But at the same time, and you see them, and they they they're right there on the verge, and they have this great scene together, and they're right on the verge of like connecting and Sansa really stands her ground and she wants to show that no I am no one to be fucked with either yep right but then she's got to know her pecking order and again this is just another scene that shows a little bit of the slip like Danny I feel like she's feeling things starting to slip through her fingers and she's she's losing the control that she had exactly right yeah, totally. You know, and and when especially when when Sansa was like, "Oh, men are easily manipulated." She's like, "Okay, listen, bitch." She's like, <laughs> "I brought my armies, my fucking dragons north to fight for your brother's war when uh, miles away from King's Landing, which was my fucking goal, right?" She's yep. like, "Listen, who's manipulating who here?" And she's absolutely right. Yeah. She's 100% correct. It was Danny who was being manipulated, not John in any way, shape, or form. But she loves John now. Oh, or does oh. she? Until she yeah. finds and out. Until she doesn't. Well, John so, dropped that bomb. So, so we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll Woo! get there. So going to the next scene um, in the show, uh, I mean, obviously, then you, you – you, well, what's the the next big scene? Wait, you you guys remember Tyrion? scene by scene? Well, I was going to say you have Tyrion and Jamie. Well, I love the together. scene with yeah, Tyrion and Jamie at the top, and he's like, he's like, yeah. he's like I would love to see our father here right now. <laughs> the two, the two of us dying, defending Winterfell defending and the Starks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was such a like a such well, a Tyrion and line. And he goes, "I wish father was here." And ja- and yeah. Jamie just looks at him like, "You, you did not just fucking say yeah. that. Tell me he did not just say that." <laughs> it's like it's ja- just great. And then Jamie. Now this is a great scene too because then Jamie all of a sudden like he looks away and you think he's like, "Okay, what is he looking at? Like, is there something bad happening?" And no, he's just fucking checking out Brienne. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And getting a chance to see Brienne of Tarth come in, the, that whole scene where they're sitting around the fire. like That was the best scene. Anyone who's out there, and I know we're getting a little bit nerdy, oh, big surprise on this show, uh, but anyone <laughs> out there who's ever played a session of uh, D&D, Dungeons & Dragons, who's ever had a campaign 
where you get a chance to do one of your sessions that is pure role play. And it's just all about the story and not about fighting or hack and slash. Those are some of the best like sessions to do, some of the best sessions to have. And that's what this entire episode was, where it was just pure role play. It was just pure storyline. It was talking and building the characters. And that yeah. scene, when everyone is sitting around the fire, is just such a great scene. And like... Just anyone who's ever experienced yeah. sitting around a campfire with well, your friends and, and it, talking, like it was just so good. It had such like a cheers element too. Oh, it started really with did. just like Jamie and Tyrion sitting by the fire, you know, and then um, I forget, and then Brienne walks in, and then like Davos walks in. He's like, oh, "I'm just here to warm my ass," and then fucking Tormund walks in, oh, my and then God. By, like everybody just all kind of comes together, and they all just start talking. I love how they're like, "We've all fought the Starks at one point or another." Yeah, 100. And then you see a and lot. They all have, yeah. like, and, and with I like, the exception of Brienne of Right. And I like how you see a lot, a little bit of the old Tyrion come out, where he's like, he's like, no, let's stay, let's keep on drinking, and Jamie's like, the wine's gone, it's like, no, yeah. let's keep us stay. Yeah. And then the best, well, there, there's two excellent parts to this scene. So the, the first part is f- fucking Tormund's, like, diatribe about oh, the giant's God. milk. You know like, why <laughs> they call me giant Spain. And he's got the horn. It reminds me of Lou from Grey yeah. Fox. The <laughs> fucking horn. He's just chugging that shit. And, and they, like, they, they let it go. It's like a little bit of a comedic element there. They let it go for like 15 seconds and right. everyone's just like, Staring, like, well, okay. Well, well, and they talk about the drink that he's drinking, yeah, proper northern drink, yeah, exactly. right? Because it's the one that Mance Raider gave to yep. Jon Snow, yep. And it's like, no, it's not wine, it's a proper northern's drink, yeah. right? And it's that white milk thing, yeah. right? And obviously, it's it's obviously fermented giant's milk, yep. right? Which is awesome, like, so cool. And he chugs it, and it's all dripping down so him, amazing. just like the animal, the beast that he yep. is. And like, he doesn't know the way to hit on a lady, so right? good. So he's like trying to hit on her, like he would hit on a wildling. He just, just assumes she's gonna like come fuck right? her, right? And just showing her, like, oh, I'm yeah. a man, I'm a man. He's like, you just, know, it's our last night. Dude, just <laughs> his looks, his 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 dude, just his facial expressions. Well, when he fir- when he first walks back into to Winterfell, he's like, right. is that giant lady or is that big lady? Yeah. Still here, the big, big woman, woman is still is here. Big woman still here. <laughs> just the look on his face of like pure childhood know, excitement yeah. was just so it's great. The big woman it was still just here. so good. It was so well done. And he's just the greatest comic relief, and it's Dude. going to be the most Game of Thrones moment uh, when he dies. And then speaking he's going to. Tormund, uh, spoiler then, alert, I guarantee it. Yeah, uh, Tormund dies. Well, at least that's of, my belief. Speaking of the big woman. Sir, big yeah. woman. Sir, <laughs> Sir Brienne of Tarth. That was amazing. Just in an Which, absolutely incredible scene where, because Tyrion, doing, being Tyrion goes, you know, I think we'll live. You yeah, know, being I like think a we'll positive live. little, yeah. like, just awesome guy. And they're all like, is. the fuck? Yeah, and, like, they, and they start laughing, and yeah. it's a nice, like, break in the seriousness of the yeah. moment, right? And, and just and he goes around the room and he's talking about all of their accomplishments, right? And all of the battles that they've survived and yep. that they've been in, right? And just talking about, you know what? We're being too pessimistic about this. We need to be more optimistic, right? And we need to have that more positive mental attitude about this. And he's talking and just it's one of those things where if they do survive, this 
this, what happens in this room is something that will be the stuff of legends, right? Like they will sing songs totally. about the knighting of Sir Brian of Tarth the night before like the, great the, the, war. the Knight's King's army yep. comes in and attacks King's Landing. Absolutely. Right? Like I think that that is a scene that like will go down in the histories of Westeros. Like it was just such a touching and amazing scene and it was done with Valyrian steel. Yes. Right? And and that know, was awesome. And, and it was cool to see the dynamic because earlier in the episode, Jamie pledges his service to Bran of Tarth. Yep. Where he's like, I'm not the fighter like that I used to. Yeah. yeah, but I would be honored to serve under your command. Yep. Right? And Jamie pledges himself to to Brienne of Tarth, but then knights her. He's like, any knight can make another knight. Yeah. He's like, Neil. And then you 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 know, I charge you to be brave, you yep. know? And oh, just man. and honorable, yeah. 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 And, oh, and in the words of the warrior, I charge you to be brave, you know? Like speaking of like, Val- oh man, it gave me goosebumps. Like it was so awesome. Speaking of Valerian Steel. Jorah lives. Jorah? Jorah okay. lives. Speaking of this. Jorah lives. Dude, getting the chance to see Jorah take Heartsbane, which is a bigger sword. It's, it's not as big as Ice was, yeah. but it is a bigger sword than a Longclaw is. Right. Where Longclaw would be considered a long sword. This would be considered a broad, a broad sword. sword. It's not yeah. exactly a bastard sword, but it is a broad sword, right? Where it's something that you'd see a barbarian, somebody who's bigger, would wield it. Right, so he's getting a chance to wield Heartsbane, and man, whoo, that is awesome. He is gonna fuck some people up with that yeah. sword, and I can't wait. And and we'll get into our theories right at the end of this, right? Um, but yeah, so moving on now from the scene in, uh, you know, in in the the fire around the fireplace, Amazing right? Moving scene, on yeah. from that, going to the scene. Uh, with Arya and the Hound. Okay, we'll just touch on this. And she has the cool dynamic. And Arya's just kind of Yeah, Arya and the Hound is great. Yeah, and she just goes, she's and like, then oh, Barrett you know shows what? up. Yeah, and then Barrett shows up and ruins the whole thing. Right? <laughs> all right, and she's like, all right, I'm not going to sit around with you two old fucks. Yeah, you, you miserable old fucks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, all right, I'm going to go. And, and then as soon as she got up, I'm literally screaming at my TV. I'm like, she's going to go fuck. She's, she's going to go fuck bang entry. She's going to go fuck entry. Yes. And she immediately goes down and finds Gendry. Right, and you could see the look. You could uh, hungry eyes. <laughs> like she just absolutely has those hungry she eyes. She was so thirsty, right? man. Oh, like man. I, oh god, I, I, I could barely watch that scene. Just sitting there, w- listening, watching her intimidate Gendry like that. How many women? How many? And just like you could see, he's like, man. He, he definitely had a fear boner, man. Oh, he dude. definitely had a fear boner. He was like, oh my god. Is this going to happen? But she could slip my throat without me even knowing. I'm totally yeah. fucked. <laughs> and I think this is a good indicator. Hey, if any ladies are out there listening, if you've ever wanted to be like, hey, how do I get a guy, right? How do I make him attracted to me? Confidence and aggressiveness. Like, Arya was so sure of herself, and she knew exactly what she was going to get, yep. and she wanted it, and she was going to get, like, more power to her. Yep. I celebrate that, right? I absolutely celebrate I that. I girls are like that. No, man. 
like confident, aggressive, and he's like a scared little child. Oh like, yeah, oh. he looks like he looks like like she's a wolf. Yeah, right. And he is a poor stag who's about to get eaten by this wolf. Oh yeah, man. You know, we've all had those fear burners, man. Oh, They're great. Man. They're Just great. So good. I love it. Just and so good. Like the best part of the entire episode, the entire series, arguably, is real Arya side boob, like. Holy shit. Like, don't even pretend. Don't even pretend. Like, you did not Google, did she use a body double? No. I know I did. The first thing thing that everyone Googled is, how old is Arya? Oh, see? Yeah. Okay. See, that's only... There's there's actual trends in Google search history where it spiked as soon as that scene happened was, how old is Arya Stark? See, those people people are only part creep. I am full creep because I was fully (laughs) aware that Arya was 21 years years old. 100%. I did not need to Google that. I am fully aware of that fact, my friend. And and I think a lot of respect to Maisie Williams for doing this scene and doing it as well as she did. And I've heard that the showrunners were actually very, you know, it was a little uncomfortable. They rushed the scene. She actually, I I read an interview with her about it. She actually felt a little bit uncomfortable because it was so rushed and because people were trying to be too respectful. So like, it was like, you know, she, she like, it wasn't that she wanted people to look or gawk at her, yeah. but it was like people were looking away and it, it made her a little bit more awkward yeah. because people weren't watching Well, and that's understandable because, because the people, a lot of the people that she's been working with, you know, she started the show when she was 11 years old. So, like, you know, it's understandable that some of those people would want to, you know, be a little uncomfortable with that, you know. But, hey, and I like the fact that the, the um, that Benioff and Weiss were basically told her, they were like, you you do what you want. Like you're you got to film this scene, but you you tell us how you want to do it. You can show as much or as little as you want. Yeah, and they really gave her a lot of respect, and I give her all the credit in the world because she was like, no, she was like, fuck no, yeah. I want to do this scene yeah. right. I'm gonna ro- get up on top of this dick, yeah, baby. Let's yeah. go. Like, I'm a rock star. I'm gonna do this the way that it should be oh, done to make is. this scene important. And I think that this scene is incredibly important because and it's it's very similar to a side scene boob. in well yeah of course side boob. Right? Okay, yes. Yes, you get your Mr. Skin moment. But you also get the fact that Arya is not a child. And I think that this is a definitive moment that's showing you Arya is not a child. Yeah. Like, you you have her, like, in the scene where she's talking to Gendry, and she picks up the dragon glass, like, daggers, yep. and she's, she's throwing, throwing it, them, yeah. she, and, and she's like, make my make my weapon. Yeah. And he goes, yeah, I'll get right yeah, on get it. Right yeah, right on, yeah. Yeah, 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 yep, yep. And that was the first yep. time he had a fear boner. Well, and so, and it was and great, I, too, because I think it also, it, it talks about, like, how, or it, it, it signifies her sort of like let's call it newfound appreciation for like life almost because really since the end of season one Arya's known nothing but like death yeah you know it's been just like she's she's had probably the toughest one of the toughest yeah. roads yeah. of any of the characters yeah. in the show with the exception of like maybe john and like the hound yeah you know like she's had it real rough yeah. for the entire fucking series and, I th- and now she gets this one moment of like pure happiness and bliss before she has to go fight the army of the dead. Yeah, and I think you see that when she takes off her shirt and you see all those scars. The scars, yeah. And Gendry sees the scars. She goes, oh shit, no, yeah. she's not a little kid. This is a and, woman. And then she goes, know? and then she goes, I'm not the Red Queen. Take off your own yeah, damn I'm not pants. The red witch. Yeah, I'm not the, the Red, red witch. witch. The Red yeah, Witch. Take, take off your, your own damn pants. That was so yeah, good. Oh great. my god. Just, again, just so sure of herself, so confident, so, so, like, I'm sorry. So sexy. She's great. Don't be sorry. I love it. There's nothing to be Absolutely sorry for on that. Like, she is an absolute love seeing that, And I love seeing her character 
go through that change where you are 100% sure that she is a woman. And yep. it was one of the things that I think was was really a powerful scene that doesn't get a lot of credit in the first episode is when she and John reunite. Yeah. And John starts to talk to her like she's a little girl. Yep. And she's like, yo, don't get it twisted. Like, I, like, like she and John doesn't realize that she's a woman. Right. And that she he needs to see her as a woman. Right. Even though she is young and he doesn't know what the fuck she's been through. Right. Like she need and now she's she needs to command the respect of a woman. Man, just I I think it really brings her full circle. And I think it's incredibly important. I think this scene is incredibly important for her character. I totally agree. Um, So now let's talk about the big fucking bunker buster scene. At the very end Man, there, which I just wish they they wouldn't have done, but Jon Snow just showing you how stupid he is sometimes. See and see that. See see I I, I stupid and honest. Yeah exactly. Like, see, too honest. Exactly. See that's why. See I agree with you that I didn't. I like that was the only thing I didn't like about the episode where I didn't I didn't think they needed to do that, but it fits so perfectly to John's with character. his character yeah. because Agreed. he's just Agreed. like as smart as he is he's just as much of a dumbass when it comes because he's honorable and honest like to a fault almost you yeah. know like it's what got him killed three seasons ago you know like yeah. and and, it, and it's just and it was great too because it, and it worked again even though I didn't particularly like the fact that they did it the scene itself was great and it worked in the context of everything else that was going on because you saw how like throughout the entire episode Danny was constantly giving her you know loving glances to John oh, yeah. and he like couldn't even look at her because yeah. he's like how the fuck am I going to tell her this yeah. but I know I need to tell her and it's just it shows even more just it's slipping through her fingers like she can feel it she can see it and you can see her like she is so pissed yeah. she doesn't ask like oh you found out who your real mother is you you you're actually my brother's son she right. doesn't talk about that at all no she goes oh so you think you have a claim to the throne now is that what you're telling me you have a claim to my throne yep right like and john should have been like no i would never come against you i just wanted you to know because i wanted you to know the truth like right he should have immediately said that and that yeah they get cut off Right, yeah. because the horn blows and here comes the the army of the dead. Yeah. Right, but I think that that is really going to play in because I think that that's going to cause a problem. Yeah. Right, because Danny now is like, like she, I think she feels like she may she be feels threatened. getting meal. Yeah. yeah, threatened. Well, because she's, and, and she's getting manipulated. She is the power, and the reason that they're going to be able to survive if they do is because of Danny. Right, and it's going to be one of those things too, where I think it'll be. I think they will keep Jon Snow in character perfectly, and they will eventually get to the point where he says, he's like, listen, Targaryen or not, claim the throne or not, he's like, I'm still in the same boat. I don't want the throne. I never did. I didn't even want to be the fucking king of the north. Oh, because yeah. Because he said that a hundred times. You oh, know? yeah. I think he's going to stick with the, I don't want to be the king, but I definitely see the possibility of Danny just gets it twisted in her own head yeah. and just goes off the deep end because yeah. she doesn't necessarily believe him. Yeah, 100%. I, I couldn't agree with you more. And I think that one of the dumbest things that John said was that when he was like, oh, the dragons need to stay with Bran in yeah. order to protect Bran from the Night's King. No! You have two dragons and an army of people. You need to create a field of fucking fire. What's the point of having two dragons if you're just going to put them in the background? No, those dragons need to be in the front murdering massive amounts of people. Yep. Like they need to be like they need to be the howitzers, right? They yep. need to be they need to be the fucking 
uh, the the they, they need to be your your jets dropping napalm on the, the the people because you can't you need to do as much as you can to prevent the dead from getting to your people because as soon as you have people die you're rearming the army of the dead yep. because all of those people are now going to become soldiers of the dead but but oh but just how many soldiers is the Night's King bringing with him okay. to Winterfell? Okay, so now we're getting into the theories of what's going to happen uh, going from here on out, right? And where was the Night's King? Right, you didn't see him. No, you didn't you see did him. Not you didn't see, see the him. dragon. You didn't see the dragon. Yep. And so, they made a point of showing his his fucking posse yo, that is yeah. always at his yeah, right the, and the left side, right? Whatever, you They're know. always there when you see yeah, him. The, the his children of homies, Craster, the yep. Craster's children. His little dudes, and they were there. Yeah. No dragon, nope. no Night's King. No. So, where is the Night's King? Anthony, tell us where the Night's King is. So, there's a lot of theories that are going on around there, and one of the theories that I've subscribed to uh, is that the Night's King is flying south and the Night's King is going to attack King's Landing. Yep. And I think because that's... he's smart and he's not just like I think the difference between the Night's King is he's not just a, a, a brainless zombie. No, of course. Like yeah. he is a smart, strategical, like king. Strategical? Yeah, strategically. Strategery. Strategery. Strategic. Yeah, well, whatever. <laughs> so so he's a, a smart, strategic king where he is going to go, and if he attacks King's Landing and is able to murder everybody in King's Landing with yeah. his dragon, well, guess what? Now they all become an army of the dead, and now you bring them north, and now, even if they're able to defend Winterfell against the army of the dead, well, now you got a whole nother yeah. army that's coming up against him. I totally am on board this theory, too. He's, he's giving them he's he's pulling the old Rob Stark move from season two oh, where he yeah. faked out Jamie with yeah. just so I, I think in the next episode, as big as the Battle of Winterfell is gonna be, I think it makes because this whole time I've been like sort of grappling with like, okay, even if they make Winterfell fall to the Knights King, at this point you have literally every single main character, with the exception of Cersei, like Euron, and like arguably Yara as a main character, every single main character is at Winterfell. So they can't have the Night King completely destroy Winterfell and take out literally half of the main cast with still three whole episodes left. You know, like, all oh, yeah. this content left. So oh, something yeah. has to be different. And I think that the theory of the Night's King is only showing up with a fraction of his army. And yeah. Winterfell will still fall, but they might actually win the battle. Like they'll, they'll win the battle, but lose Winterfell, Winterfell in the process. Yeah. You know, and then it's like, well, where's everybody else? They're on their way to King's Landing. Yeah, and now what do you do? Yeah. And now what do you do? Right. Yeah. So and is that something where now they find out that, oh, the Night's King's not here. Do then John and Danny fly the dragon south to go and try and fight the Night's King? And yeah. then do we get an air battle of dragon versus dragon air battle, which is the way that I have predicted in, in our in our prediction episode of Game of Thrones when we did it. Um, I predicted that John is going to have that scene like in Dance of the Dragons where he's jumping yeah. off of one dragon and he stabs the Night's King. I think that he's going to do that. And then they both tumble to the ground and yep. they both die. Yep. I think that especially seeing John tell Danny that he is the rightful heir, that I think that he is going to sacrifice himself 
to the night uh, to and, and sacrifice himself in order to save Danny so that she can exactly. go on to rule. And I think that a big key to that, I think foreshadowing was the song that uh, that um, Padraig Payne was singing is a song called Jenny's Song. Yeah. Right now, Jenny's song. For those of you who who don't know, well, who read the books. Whatever. So, for those of you who don't know, Jenny's song was actually a song about uh, a character named Duncan Targaryen and Jenny Blackwood. Now, Duncan Targaryen gave up his crown in order to marry Jenny Blackwood, right? And he 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 essentially sacrificed, not really sacrificed himself, because um, he dies like later on at the at the tragedy of Summerhall. But he um, but he was he gave up his crown in order to save their love. And I think that Jon Snow is going to do something very similar, right? Where he is going to sacrifice himself in order to save Danny, and it's going to be dragon on dragon battle. Jon's going to jump off with Longclaw and stab the Night's King. The Jesse's Girl of the 80s. Yeah, oh, man. It of, is. Of Westeros. You know? yeah. And it was a beautiful yeah. song, Jesse's and it was just incredible. And in the books, you only get the first line. You never get any of the other lyrics. Now, you know, now you have all the, the other lyrics, and it's just, it was just absolutely great. And the, the little bit of a montage that yep. you have there was just absolutely perfect. And something that was really cool that they did there was showing Sam with little Sam in the bed with Gilly. Yep. Um, I think it's really important because you see how old little Sam is and you really realize how much time, how much time has time gone. Has yeah. yeah. Because he's li- literally, he's like a five-year-old child or a four-year-old yep. child. Like he's like a toddler. He's not like a baby yep. anymore. He's, he's like a young child. Right. So, you know, it's not just that he's, uh, that you see how much time has passed. Yes. Yeah. Which I think it was really, really cool. So just remember, you heard it here first. Yeah. Jorah lives! Jorah, Jorah lives! Jorah lives. No, I said in, in the prediction episode, I said that Jorah was going to kill Danny. Um, I'm going to have to renege that. I don't think that Jorah is going to kill Danny. That's going to happen. I, I mean, I don't know. I, I made sense, but I just the way that it's gone, I don't think so. But I do still think uh, John is going to die. And I'm definitely yeah, John 100% not, I'm dying. not yet subscribed that Danny is going to live. Um I, I still, I just, I have that that Ramsey Bolton uh, line echoing in my head. Yeah. Uh, if you think this is gonna have a happy ending, you haven't been paying attention. Exactly. You know. So I don't. I just, I, I'm, I'm really excited. First two episodes, well done, especially this episode. Quite possibly one of the best episodes in the entire series so far. Just so, so good. Hundred percent agreed. Yeah. So uh, let's talk about the box office. Yeah. Let's talk about the box office. Oh, it man. was a rough one. Yeah, it Easter. Sure was. So, so not only was it Easter, but you know, 420, right? Yeah. So, and I think this contributed to where oh, we 100%. went wrong. I think it's where we went we wrong. Factor we did not factor in the 420 aspect, which, like, we were talking about how we thought Shazam was going to beat La Lorena um, in and the box didn't. office, and it didn't. To our surprise, it didn't. Yeah. Um, it did very well. It made like seventeen million dollars yeah. or just over. Yeah. And um, Love and Honor made twenty six. Yeah, it made twenty six. So a difference of you know you know call it you know eight nine million dollars, yeah, which is not bad for a for a horror movie that looks fucking awful. Um, you know, but I mean that's neither here nor there. Let's talk about the real deal winner of the week. Right. The winner so, of the next like three weeks, basically. Yeah. Well. It's going to be Avengers. Well, oh, so definitely man. two. I'm 100% subscribing two to two, two weeks. weeks. Yes. Because 
after two weeks is when Detective Pikachu comes out. Yeah. And that movie looks really good. Surprisingly, looks incredible. I, I, I don't I don't want to like it, I but it looks really not, good. I really it looks wanted really to good. not like that movie, but it looks really incredible. Ryan Reynolds is becoming one of those guys yeah. that can just do anything. Yeah. Like, he's just so good. And actually, like, it's, it's actually... Is it no? Is it next week? It is the next week. It is yeah, next week. week. Yeah. No. Oh, well. So okay. It's definitely. Oh man, is it going to dethrone? Because is everyone going to blow so. their load and go and see this movie on the first weekend? No, I think it's going to be. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, I mean, Detective Pikachu. I mean, it's getting a wide release, so it means it's going to be on four thousand plus screens, right? But I mean, I'd be shocked. I would be. Endgame I would be very shocked. Take the and the, and the only movies. reason is that I think it would is because Avengers Endgame is a three-hour movie, right. so I don't think it's going to get the repeat customers that you would normally get, or that that Infinity War got, right? It's true. So you know, when it's a two-hour, two and a half-hour movie, okay, but you add that extra half hour, and now it's three hours plus. You know the the opening um, previews yeah, and previews. everything. Now you're talking about a three and a half hour, four I hour. Really, I don't even want to see previews before end game. I mean, I just go, just go right. Give me one preview yeah. and go right into it. Yeah, unless go right release, into and it. And I hope they. I, I wish they would release something more for Star Wars before it, but I don't think that they're going to. I don't think but so. Yeah. I, I think we'll just get the same trailer yeah. that we have. Like they're definitely going to have the Star Wars trailer oh, beforehand. And Spider Man Far From Home. And Spider Man Far From Home, but. I don't think we're going to get anything we haven't seen already, which is a little bit disappointing in my opinion. Well, that's okay because it's yeah. going to be the greatest movie of all time. Yeah, and then and then are there going to be after credit scenes? Yes, which I'm sure there are. Yes, right, percent. Yeah, yeah, hundred yeah. percent. There will be. So 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 yeah. Tune so, in next week. Yep. We will have a full in-depth review of Avengers Endgame. Go listen to our last episode. It was fucking great. We'll be doing Game of Thrones every week up through the end. Go to Instagram, yeah. like our shit, subscribe on SoundCloud, subscribe on Spotify. Follow go us on to Instagram. Our own stuff. Uh, uh, go. Oh, and I'm the one who can't talk. God damn it. <laughs> Fuck. Whatever. Fuck you guys. Fuck all of you. Stay tuned, you. true reviewers. We love you. We love you. Keep listening. Thank you for being here with us. And yeah, as Matt said, stay tuned, true reviewers.